But it's so important that as we come to Christmas that we remember why God sent His Son. And I don't want to take away anything at all from the birth of Jesus. I don't want to take anything away at all from the manger. I don't want to take anything away at all from the wise man. We've been looking at that since the last Sunday in November. We looked at the first Sunday, the father of Christmas, and how the God was the, actually the father of Christmas. We looked at lessons from Joseph, and we looked at lessons from Mary and what we've been learning. And tonight, I want to tie that all together this evening from the Word for something that I think is so important for your Christmas reflections in our worship tonight before we take communion. You see, God's purpose at Christmas was to meet us in our need and redeem and introduce us to Himself. That was the very purpose of God at Christmas. It was to meet us in the needs that we had, to redeem us and to save us from our sins so that we could know what He was like. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12, listen to what the Bible says. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. And when I read that passage of Scripture, that's what Christmas is all about. And so tonight as we gather and we prepare in just a few minutes to receive communion together this evening, we will give the Father thanks for having qualified us. I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm praying and I'm seeking God and I say, Lord, I just don't feel qualified. And this is not an exaggeration. There are so many times as I'm preparing for the Sunday morning message to preach and I will say to the Lord, I don't feel qualified. Occasionally, I'm asked to do something either in our community, or in our state, or within our church fellowship, and I will simply make that same statement, I don't feel qualified. And I'm sure when we think about heaven and you think about your life, there are times that you think, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified for the kingdom of heaven. And I am so thankful it's not about my being good enough. It's about Christ has qualified us tonight. Can you say amen to that? So look at your neighbor this evening and say, Christ has qualified me. Would you do that? Christ has qualified me. Now look at your other neighbor and tell them the same thing. Christ has qualified me. You're saved tonight, not because of anything good you've done. You're going to heaven tonight, not because of anything good that you've done or this church has done. We are going because Christ has qualified us. And the second thing that he says in this verse of Scripture, he has delivered us. Christ has come to deliver us from our sin. And that was the great problem of human beings is that at a tree called the knowledge of good and evil, there there was a woman and a man that decided to disobey God, and they ate from that tree, and sin was introduced into the human race. Then there was another woman and her husband who listened to God when God spoke to her and says, Mary, you're going to have a child. Joseph listened to God as we looked at in the scriptures, and he didn't put Mary aside. He didn't divorce Mary in that engagement, but he took her as his wife. And the baby born was to be named Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And there at another tree is Mary watch. Jesus Christ gave his life for you and I. From the manger to the cross to the tomb, God exploded with eternal life for you and I and delivered us from our sins. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this evening? Hallelujah. What an amazing story that Christmas really is. 
And then this third word that was in that verse of Scripture I just read to you, I love. God has transferred us as well. He has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light in His dear Son. So let's look at several things that Jesus showed us at Christmas. Number one, Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus came to redeem us from our sins. Now, we're probably not as familiar with that kind of saying in our world and in our culture as we ought to be. You know, a redeemer was someone that could pay the price for a slave and set them free. A redeemer was someone that could pay the price for a servant and set them free. If you read the story of Ruth in the Bible, the book of Ruth, it's a beautiful story of the kinsman redeemer. If you will read the stories of how Joseph was redeemed from prison by the Pharaoh's decree and how he rose to be second in the kingdom, you'll read a story of redemption and how God used Joseph, despite all of the bad things, to redeem Israel from the famine that had struck the land. The Bible says that it is in Christ, in Jesus, whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Abraham Lincoln was known as the great emancipator or the redeemer. There were literally slaves, former slaves, that would kiss the feet of Abraham Lincoln. They had to protect him because slaves, former slaves, would come to Lincoln, and they would literally almost want to worship him because he had emancipated or redeemed them. It's why we sing songs, Oh, come, let us adore him. It's why we bow our knee. In America, we don't bow our knee to a president. We don't bow our knee to a congressman or a senator. We bow our knees to King Jesus, our Kingsman Redeemer. Can you say amen? And the second thing I want you to see, now don't clap unless I ask you because I got a little bit of time tonight. <laughs> Jesus reveals God to us. That's something else I love about Christmas is that when God wanted to show us what he was like, he sent his son, Jesus, to be born in the manger. He, he sent him to take upon human flesh. Boy, when I think of how God could reveal himself, he could have come into this world with trumpets sounding and fire and blazing glory, and everybody would have trembled and fell at his feet, but they wouldn't have loved him because they would have just been afraid of him. Jesus could have come with some spectacular signs and wonders, and people would have fallen at his feet as what the devil wanted him to do when he said, throw yourself off the temple. Angels will bear you up, and the world will follow you. It's amazing how we will follow wealthy people or influential people, or we will follow people who can promise us all kinds of signs and wonders. But Jesus comes as a baby, and he's helpless, and he lives a sinless life. He forgives people like myself. He heals people like myself. He redeems people from their sins like myself. You see, Jesus comes, and he shows us what God is really like. Occasionally, somebody will ask me at a Starbucks, back when we could meet at Starbucks, somebody will ask me through an email, says, what is God like? And I will encourage them, go and read the Gospels, for when you read the Gospels, you're reading what God is really like, because when you see Jesus, Jesus said to Thomas, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Bible says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now, that word image is important to look at for just a moment. I have friends in other denominations who use icons as a part of their worship. And an icon is a painting that someone has painted to help someone think. And one of my friends who is a minister in that denomination, I ask him, 
because I've heard that some people actually will worship the icon rather than worship the Lord. And he said, that's true. That's a problem we have. We're always having to teach people that the icon is meant to help you think about the Lord. It's kind of like when you and I, and if you can throw the cameras over to the cross, when you and I look at the cross, we don't worship the cross. We worship the Savior who died for our sins on the cross. It's like when you and I have a manger in our front yards to remember Christmas. We don't worship the manger. We worship the Savior that was born in the manger. But when the Bible says that Jesus is the visible image of the image of God, that word is icon. When you see Jesus, you see God. And that's what makes songs like, I've just seen Jesus and I tell you he's alive, so powerful to me because there is a place that you and I can walk in the Lord where God is not something we read about in a book. God is not something we just read about in the Bible. Though we may not see him with our eyes, though we may not hear him with our ears, we can experience the love and the fellowship of Jesus Christ in our hearts because he is the visible image of the invisible God. The third thing I want you to see is Jesus is our creator. Jesus is our creator. So let's go again this evening to back to the same passage I'm reading for him. Jesus, he, Jesus existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the heaven and in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. You see, one of the things that we have to capture again at Christmas is just who Jesus is. Jesus is God. God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From Genesis to Revelation, it's how he reveals himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in John, and if you remember in the first message I preached in this series, we went to John chapter 1, then we went again from lessons from Joseph, and we stressed how important it was to remember that God took on human flesh. God became human. Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. So you can't ever just say that Jesus was a good man. He was a good man. But you can't ever just say that Jesus was God. It's why we call him the God-man. It's why we worship a risen Savior tonight, the first Adam who fell at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and brought sin into the human race, the second Adam, Paul calls Jesus the second Adam, the second Adam gave his life at another tree called Calvary, and when he died for you and I, he redeemed us from our sin, he removed the curse of sin, and that's what the Christmas carol joy to the world is all about when it talks about the curse of sin is broken because Jesus Christ is the creator that's able to put everything back together the way it should have been. Now let's give the Lord a hand of praise this evening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for helping me with that. Number four, Jesus is our sustainer. Jesus is our sustainer. You know, my wife is a good balance to me. I'm like a cup of coffee sometime, and Becky is like the cream in the coffee. She just kind of takes away the bitterness and makes everything sweeter. As a matter of fact, if I could stand coffee with sugar in it, I would tell you that she was the cream and the sugar in my coffee, but I feel sorry for those that have to drink coffee with cream and sugar. What's the use, you know? But anyway, she is the cream in my coffee. We'll go with that. 
There's been so many times where she's sustained my faith and she's encouraged me and she's come along and I've said to her, I'm not qualified. I remember back in 1998 when we first began talking with this congregation and I, I said, there's just no way, Becky. There's just no way. And she said, honey, we can do this. I remember Thomas Trask, the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, who was a part of the whole process of us coming up here. We met for dinner in Jacksonville, Florida and we were on a bay and I just told him, I said, Brother Trask, I don't know that I can do this. And if you know Pastor Trask, he just reached over and started patting me on the face like this. And he said, Dennis, you can do this. God has qualified you. You can do this. We need people in our lives that can sustain us. But when human sustenance fails, when physical sustenance fails, there is always Jesus. And what Mary and Joseph may not have realized when Herod was out to kill the baby Jesus, Mary and Joseph was safe because they had Jesus in their home. And I want to say to you tonight, every home where Jesus is Lord, God is going to pull us through this COVID crisis. God is going to pull us through this time in history. And one day we're going to all sing the praises of how great our mighty God truly is. Hallelujah. Well, you can go ahead and clap there as well. He's our sustainer. He holds us. He keeps us. And then fifthly tonight, Christmas says that Jesus is the source of our life. He's the source of our life. You know, this year, I finally was able to convince my sweet wife to let me get rid of a bush that she has loved for a long time. I've hated that bush. That bush is a lot of work for somebody that doesn't like to do lawn work. And that bush and I would argue from time to time, and I would stand there because I read in a book. Don't believe everything you read in a book. I read in a book that if you talk bad to plants, they would die. They would just, they could feel your vibe. So I would go out there and tell that plant it was ugly, it was stupid, I hated it, I wanted it to die, and that plant just got greener and bigger and greener and bigger. <laughs> you know, the source of life was sitting right over here, this beautiful woman in a red coat tonight. The source of life was cultivated and keeping it growing, but she said this year it was time for it to come out. I never had so much fun in my whole life. I told it I was going to get it. Its source of life is now done. It's gone. You know, the source of life of sin is done in our lives. When you give your heart to Jesus, sin is overcome and sin is conquered. That doesn't mean that we won't wrestle with temptation, but we have Christ in us who is the hope of glory and makes us more than overcomers. We'll continue in the same chapter. Listen, he is also, Jesus is also the head, the life source, and the leader of the body, the church. What I want you to see right here is I'm reading to you from the Amplified Version, and what you see there in the, the brackets is to bring out what the Greek is saying. When you read he's the head, the Greek is actually saying that Jesus is the source and the life of this church. The life of Woodland is not the denomination. The life of Woodland is not the pastor and the board. The life of Woodland is not the small group leaders. The life of Woodland is not even the people. The life of Woodland Church is Jesus Christ. Christ tonight, and the life of every believer around the world, be they Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, or whatever, the life of everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, He is the life source of every one of us that live and breathe tonight. And it's why the Bible says, this is important, it's why the Bible says that people who reject Christ are dead in their trespasses and sin. 
And when you give your life to Christ, it's why the Bible says, listen, the Bible says that you died to sin. When I was a youth pastor and some of my students are watching tonight from back in the late 70s and early 80s. I hate to even tell you how long ago that was. But back in the late 70s and the early 80s, when Becky and I were youth pastors in South Georgia, I did a little deal. We bought in a mannequin, and we just had kids come by doing all kinds of silly things, trying to tempt the mannequin. And the kids were laughing. The college students were laughing because they knew there was no way this dead dummy was going to respond. And then we went through the Gospels and we went through the epistles for a period of weeks of how Christ touches us in the same way. This week, I got an email from one of those students, and they said, Pastor, do you remember when the revival broke out in Valdosta? Do you remember how we were gathered around the piano? Do you remember what happened at Valdosta State University? Do you remember how many young people were saved, how many were called into ministry, some that went to the mission field, all because they realized they had died to this world and they were alive to Christ. Friends, Jesus is the life of the church. And if you're not experiencing joy, if you're not experiencing life tonight, you have not experienced Christmas. Because when the tree is down and the lights are down and all the presents are put away, I want you to know Christmas goes on in the heart of every single believer. Can we give him one more hand of praise tonight? And then two more points, and we're done. It's number six, Jesus is our satisfaction. He satisfies us. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Look at this. This is so important. God in all of his fullness was pleased to live. He took on human flesh. And remember, we, we looked at this in those first two messages as well. John says that Jesus was full of Love and faithfulness. Say those two words, love and faithfulness. It's what couples pledge to me right here in this altar or pledge to each other and pledge to the Lord when I do their wedding vows for them. They pledge love and faithfulness till death do them, do them part. It's what God has pledged to you, and Christ says he is full of love and faithfulness for you. The simple fact of the matter is nothing will ever satisfy you but Jesus. Your career won't satisfy you. Your education won't satisfy you. Your ambitions won't satisfy you. It's why so many people achieve so much success. It's why people achieve educational success, career success, or maybe they've gotten their home that they finally always wanted, and then they find out somehow or another life is still somewhat empty. And it's not that God is against career success. It's not that God is against you having a nice home or a large home or a beautiful car or a great vacation. It's just under Understand, those things do not satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus will really make your life complete and whole because you were made for Christ. You weren't made for stuff. You weren't made for careers. You weren't made for anything but to know and to love God and then in everything you do to glorify God with what you do. I wrote this into my notes tonight. And by the way, if you believe in miracles, I forgot my glasses and I'm still able to see. And that's only because I prayed because I've got the font as large as I can get it. And I still couldn't hardly see it a few moments ago. So there's a miracle happening right here. But every year, our youth pastor's wife, Jeanette Mance, and I hope I'm not going to get in any trouble for this, but she brings me chocolate fudge. Now, wait a minute. 
she brings my family chocolate fudge, but then she brings me a separate delivery of chocolate fudge. And I stand and I nibble that fudge. I want to devour it all at one time. I want to eat it all at one time. But I won't go through how I let it melt in my mouth until the pecans are floating in the chocolate and I swallow and just kind of savor it and it lasts and lasts and lasts. And I hope I'm going to get double next year by calling you out like this, Jeanette. But the fudge is so good. The problem is it always leaves you wanting more. And so from January to November, I'm thinking about fudge. I'm reminding Corey, don't let Jeanette forget my fudge this year. But the deal with Jesus is his mercies are new, they're fresh every day, and tonight, please hear me, God knows exactly what you need, and God knows how to satisfy your soul, and the reason Christ was born in a manger, not in a palace, the reason Christ came in a humble way, and born in a cave, and not in blazing fire in glory, is because Christ wanted you to know that God is approachable, and though he created this entire universe, God is able to live in your heart and life and satisfy your soul this evening. He is my satisfaction. And then finally tonight, Jesus is our restorer. Jesus is our restorer. The scripture says, and by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent and restored to innocence again. I want you to see two things right there. There is no Christmas without the blood of Jesus. There is no Christmas without the blood of Jesus. You see, Christ not only had human blood, sinless blood, but Christ shed that blood at a tree called Calvary. The fall began at a tree called the knowledge of good and evil. And redemption began at Calvary for Jesus shed his blood for you. And make no mistake about it. And my friends listening online tonight, please hear what I'm saying to you as well. Make no mistake about it. It was because of sin that Christ came. But what Christ does to every single human being that puts their faith in him, he restores them to innocence once again. He restores them to innocence. One night, one of the students in the youth ministry I was referring to just a few moments ago, she had lived a life that was far from God. She felt so unqualified. As a matter of fact, many times she would talk to Becky and she would be crying. Sometimes she would talk with one of our youth group leaders and she just never could just really feel that God had washed away all of her sins. Beautiful girl, talented girl. Today, she is a spirit-filled mom, grandmother, still as beautiful as ever, but I will never forget one night as we were worshiping like we're going to do here in just a few moments as we took communion. Suddenly, it dawned in her, and she began to say over and over through tears, and I looked at her and watched, and I looked at Becky, and Becky was smiling. Do you remember that night? She said, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean. I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean. And she went on to live a remarkable life for the Lord. This week, 
and they're watching tonight, and you know who I'm talking about, another couple in our church. We've got babies coming. 2020 has been a blessed year for Woodland Church. We've got babies coming. And as this baby was born, and they Skyped with us, and we were able to talk to them and pray over the baby and bless the baby using Skype, I looked at how innocent that baby was, and you would say, Pastor, why would you pray this? But I prayed over that baby, Lord, may she come to know early in life what it means to be wise concerning all that is pure and holy and what it means to be innocent concerning evil. But you also may be listening tonight, for I want you to hear all of this. We are always confident that we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. You and I, this earth, and all of the funerals that I preached this year during the COVID crisis, this is not the end. Those who put their faith in Christ, we have an eternal home in Jesus forevermore. Would you stand with me this evening? I want to pray for you. And if you've never committed your life to Jesus, and if you're here tonight, and I can't see everyone here this evening, but if you're here tonight and you've never committed your life to Christ, or maybe you used to really walk close with Jesus, and you've wandered away from your faith and your commitment, or maybe you're watching online tonight, and you'd say, Pastor Clanton, I'm watching, but I've never really committed my life to Jesus. I want you to know God has nothing but good planned for you this evening. God's plan is to bless you, not to curse you. God's plan is to prosper you, not to make you poor. God's plan is to heal you. The Bible says that God took away our sins and our sicknesses, but he also took away all of our diseases. That's the goodness and the grace of God. And God says this, that he knows the plans for you and your future has a promise and a hope because of Jesus. I don't think there's a Democrat that can tell you that. I don't think there's a Republican that can tell you that. I don't think there's a company that can tell you that. But I can tell you that's exactly what God promises to you, a future and a hope that is eternal forevermore. So if you've never committed your life to Christ, this is the time to do that right now. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for seven things in that verse of Scripture. God, seven seems to be your number. Lord, on the seventh day, you rested. That number seven figures up so many times. And so I pray that tonight, that maybe those who have struggled with sin or those who've struggled with fear or doubt, or maybe even struggled with, is Jesus Christ really the way? It's no accident that they're here and it's no accident that they're watching online. You wanted them to hear this message tonight. Seven things that you are to every human being that will put their faith in you. So if that's you, would you just pray this with me right now? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for coming to this earth, for taking on human flesh, 
and becoming one of us. And thank you for taking my sins, my sicknesses, my pain to Calvary's tree. And thank you that when you died for my sins, the redemption price was paid. But death could not hold you. And you exploded from the tomb on Easter morning. Because of that, I can have forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus Christ. For it's in your name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. I just have a feeling some people have committed their lives to Christ. Could we give the Lord a hand of praise for that tonight? And Pastor Corey, would you come? Hallelujah. You can be seated. At this time, I want to encourage you to take your communion and just begin to peel back that cellophane right now so there won't be any distractions when we pray. And for those of you that are at home, make sure you gather your communion elements right now as well. Christmas is about family. It's about being a part of the family of God. It's about families coming together, joining together. It's one of the great things about Christmas is families from all over the world gather together. Families from all over the world worship Christ together. I remember when we lived in Ohio, we'd come back home for Christmas, and it was such a special time, meaningful time, where we get to see our family and celebrate. And though this year is a little bit different, we still get to celebrate together at Christmas. We still get to celebrate the Lord together. In Matthew Chapter 1, starting in verse 20, it says, The angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You know, it can be hard for us to understand how God could come to this earth, how he could come as a baby, how he could take on flesh. But the reason you and I are here today is because he loves us so much that he was willing to come and be born to walk this earth, to live amongst us, but to die on that cross for us as well. Let's pray. Father, as we hold the bread and cup in our hands tonight, we are reminded as we celebrate this Christmas, we are reminded of what you've done for us. God, as we hold the bread in our hands right now, we're reminded how you were born as a baby, how Mary and Joseph took you in their arms and held you how you grew and walked this earth, but also how you died on that cross and hung for us, that your body was broken and bruised for us, 
So God, as we hold this bread in our hands, we're reminded of the sweet baby that came, but we're also reminded of the Son of God who died on the cross for us. And so God, tonight we say thank you for dying for us. Thank you for being beaten and bruised so that we can receive healing this Christmas day. Let's break the bread and partake together. And Father, as we hold this cup in our hands, we're also reminded of what it represents. Your blood that was shed on that cross for us. Lord, the Bible says that without shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. It was your blood that was shed so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be redeemed and restored, so that we could be forgiven and have a relationship with you. God, I thank you for forgiving us. I thank you that one day you're coming back for us and we get to spend eternity with you. Let's partake together. Father, we do thank you for your love for us. God, and as we celebrate this Christmas Eve during this service, I pray right now in Jesus' name, Lord, touch your people today. Heal those that need a healing in their body, whether they're suffering from COVID, cancer, other sicknesses and diseases. God, there is nothing that is impossible with you. And so I pray right now, touch them and restore their health. Lord, touch those that need emotional and physical and spiritual healings as well. And Lord, as we celebrate with family and friends, may we never forget why we celebrate here tonight. And it's because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Amen. Thank you, Pastor Corey. You know, we're about to do something that's an annual tradition for us here. And the lights are going to come down in the sanctuary and we're going to have our Christmas Eve candle lighting service. We always light just one candle before the service starts to indicate that Jesus is the light of the world. Normally, the whole sanctuary would be dark and normally we would be packed out because of COVID. We're not going to pull down all the lights this year because we want everybody to stay socially distanced. But we still want to fill this sanctuary with light and with song. Pastor Coy mentioned to you a few moments ago our Christmas Eve offering. And he told you just some of the things that this Christmas Eve offering has done. This offering has helped build orphanages. This offering has built churches. This offering has built clinics. This offering has helped facilitate ministries in the city of Detroit, right here in our own community. This offering has helped share and, and participate in equipping some hospitals and foreign missions fields. It's been amazing what God has done through this Christmas Eve offering through the years. And so I'm asking you in just a few minutes that 
As you leave the church tonight, the ushers will be at the back and they'll have baskets. Or you can do what I do, and that's just simply text 77977. It takes me less than 10 seconds. And I give. You just type in that keyword, Woodland Church, and I don't see it on the screen, but it's all one word, Woodland Church. Don't put a space between Woodland and Church. There you go. All one word, Woodland Church. And if you'll text that, you can give by credit card or debit card or however you'd like to give or even a check, I believe. But help us tonight in this offering. One of the things that we're going to be doing is we had one of our community organizations come and said, could Woodland help us? We need, there are so many children in Detroit that don't have a coat. And I was out for a prayer walk this evening, and I had on three coats, and I was freezing. And I realized there are children in our community that do not even have a coat. For $21, we can put a coat on a child, a good coat. And so I'm asking you tonight, will you help us in this offering as we reach out? None of this offering stays if for our administrative fund. This all goes to fund and resource ministries. So if you would, if you'd stand, and we're going to light the candles, and if those are going to help me, if you would come right now. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. And with this one candle, just like he lights our lives, we light everyone else's candle tonight.
I don't know about you, but I love that part of the service. I love singing. I can't even sing it. I love singing that. At this time, would you carefully blow your candles out? Again, we just thank you for being out here tonight and, and being online with us. If you prayed that prayer with pastor tonight and you said, yes, Jesus, I want you into my heart, would you please stop by at the table? Or if you're listening online, just call the church or text the church. We got a Bible that we'd love to give you to help you to grow in this new faith, okay? You can be seated if you want to for a few minutes. And um, again, um, Again, we just thank you all for being here tonight. Thank you for being out. What a great time, Pastor. What a great message. What a great message. And you know, go ahead, give my hand, yes. I can't think of a better way to start the Christmas season than this kind of a service. So God bless you all. And for all of you, really all of you, the, uh, the staff here at Woodland just wishes you a very Merry Christmas. So on your way out tonight, you can... Uh, drop your offering at the guys and drop your candle. There's a box right there. Drop your candle in again with that. Again, Merry Christmas.
光照。